Whew, take a look. 71% of Americans think we are headed in the wrong direction. This is not morning in America. This is, uh, this is a nightmare. This is as bad as it gets. But what do they say? It's always darkest before the dawn. I think I heard that somewhere. And midterms are two weeks from tomorrow. This could turn around, and it could turn around in a spectacular fashion. But why are we here? Well, he is a big, big reason for it. He's very, I think, manipulatable, if that's a word. Take a look. I have not made that formal decision, but it's my intention, my intention to run again. And we have time to make that decision. Uh, Dr. Biden is for it. Mr. President. Oh, Dr. Biden thinks that uh, my wife thinks that uh, that I uh, that, that we're that we're doing something very important and that I shouldn't walk away from it. All right. You saw it. I saw it. He almost fell asleep. It seemed right in the middle. Oh, are you with us, sir? And uh, Dr. Biden, you mean Mrs. Jill Biden? All right. Uh, what is going on between these two? I think this means Jill says you shouldn't resign, although I think that's going to happen. It actually didn't get better throughout the day. The vice president of the United States, yeah. Vice President Harris. How's she doing? You're almost two years in. How's she doing? She's doing great. She is a... Uh... First of all, she's smart as hell. She has, she has a backbone like a ramrod, and she has enormous integrity. And, uh, but if you take a look out there, there isn't any public figure that is, you know, 60% favorable ratings. I mean, you know, most of the, and, but she's doing a great job. What's going on? This is the second time in 20 minutes that he zoned out mid-sentence. And here's the deal. He is manipulatable, and it is a word, because when you're out of it like this, the radical left can totally own you, and I think that's what's happening. Um, by the way, this was over the weekend. This was from today. Happy birthday, great president. Uh, we know uh, your mom's always with you. President Kamala Harris. All right. We know he has a problem, and it's obviously getting worse. And I think this is one of the reasons why he either doesn't give a damn or is being totally controlled. Right now in America, 80% of the people oppose transgender procedures on minors. That is a no-brainer, but not for this administration. This administration over the weekend actually hosted an event that was all about transgender treatment uh, for children. Now, they talked around the issue at times, but... This was one bizarre event from one bizarre questioner at the White House, and it's all about transgender stuff. Lawmakers in many states want to exclude us from participating in sports or getting proper health care. Some folks want to decide where we can use the bathroom. No one should have fear of living in a state that they call home while being true to themselves. No one should have their lives put in danger because of who they are inside. That's why I'm sharing my story with the world. I'm using my platform to stand up for my community and for any of the little Dylans that deserve a clear path to their true identity. Uh, Mr. President, this is my 221st day of publicly transitioning. God and love you. God love you. God love you. Well, look, 
no one should be targeted or have their lives put in risk because of who they are. And that includes cisgender people who we fear are having their lives corrupted and possibly put at risk, especially over the bathroom issue that Joe just cavalierly kind of just says, yeah, no problem. Many states have lawmakers that feel like they can involve themselves in this very personal process. Do you think states should have a right to ban gender-affirming health care? I don't think any state or anybody should have the right to do that as a moral question and as a legal question. I just think it's wrong. What about for children? That's what the hot issue is in America. Adults can do whatever they want. States are passing laws to protect children. Everybody knows that, but they're being cute about it. Next. I feel very, very strongly that... Uh, that you should have every single solitary right, including, including use of the, your gender identity bathrooms in public. Thank you. See, she's pleased, the brand new girl, but everybody else in America, not down with this because it puts people at risk, especially children. And Joe Biden just, again, blithely goes there. Why not? He's not gonna be around for much longer. Next. It feels like Republicans have turned trans and non-binary people into this thing to blame society's downfall on in some ways. And this narrative is not only dangerous to our mental health, but also our physical safety. And particularly trans women of color are being murdered at an alarming rate. More than any other group of people. Thank you. Has he seen the crime situation? Uh, everybody is at risk in America right now. And why haven't you talked about crime against all people? Just, just this one issue that you have a fetish for? What's happening here? All right, wrapping this up. Uh, Joe, for a lot of the session, lost himself, started talking about Bo for no apparent reason. And um, did Bo really have such a foundation? Listen to this. Again, speaking to my son, when he was, he was spent a year in Iraq and he was a decorated soldier, he volunteered to go, as a, he had to give up the attorney general's job and then came back to it. And uh, he started a, a, a foundation I'm not allowed to talk about now because I can't raise money for it any longer. But it was for abused children. And one of the things he did is raise millions of dollars, this organization, to basically educate parents as to what they should not be afraid of um, and to educate the community as to what is what, what is just pure hyperbole and and uh, so I just think it's a matter of leaders speaking out all right so they raised millions of dollars for some nonprofit to eradicate hyperbole did you hear that this is another phony baloney foundation, is it, that the Bidens created? They have created a few before. All right, I hope they had fun. They got to do something before the midterms. More on this individual later in the week. Ah, but in the meantime, who remembers John McEnroe? Back in the day, we'd argue with the umpires, and uh, the Brits, I think, called him Super Brat. Um, I actually liked it when he got into the fights, and uh, Super Brat, hmm, it kind of worked, and it kind of works for this one, too. Liz Cheney, Super Brat 2. 
This person has no idea of where her position in society is. She is the outgoing, losing congresswoman from Wyoming, one of our smallest states. And she's acting like she's in charge of the country. I'm not kidding. She really is. Again, she lost by 40 points in a primary. Okay, this woman has zero political clout. However, she has a lot of wealth. Personally, she is worth some $15 million. If you throw in the family fortune of the Cheneys, uh, push that up to uh, $150 million. She is, of course, the daughter of Vice President Dick Cheney. I'm su I suppose that the, she thinks she gets all kinds of perks with that, although it's not really a perk, or at least it wasn't for a long time after they left office. Remember, they started the war in Iraq. And there were no weapons of mass destruction. But for whatever reason, the swamp is fascinated with her. And she got a half hour yesterday on Meet the Press. No kidding. Liz Cheney, outgoing congresswoman from Wyoming. 30 minutes on Meet the Press. And she really is acting like a spoiled brat. That somehow she's in charge of America. And if she doesn't get her way, there's going to be, I don't know, Consequences could be, I mean, she could get mad. There are very few certainties in politics. Um, but one thing that you can absolutely count on is that uh, there are tens of millions of Americans who will do uh, everything we need to do to make sure Donald Trump is never the president again. Wow. Ev everything we need to do. Tens of millions will do everything we need to do. What does that mean? Something tells me her tone of voice, everything. I mean, vote, campaign, raise money, everything we need to do. I think she's going farther than that, actually, than the traditional means of electioneering. It's a little bit ominous, and words matter, right? How about this? I think that there's no question that the, the, his election as president in 2016 uh, began something that has been very dangerous for this nation, and we now see... He's willing to do everything he needs to do, uh, everything within his power to stop a peaceful transition of power, and he can never be president again. Well, that's not true, by the way, about the transition of power and what he did, but he can never be president again, according to this person who no longer has been voted out of office. She says it. And you know what? The swamp agrees with her, and they are ready to do everything they have to to prevent President Trump from becoming president again. What if he gets more votes than anybody else? Don't you have the sense that they will do whatever they have to to stop that, to override it? This, I believe, is actually the threat to democracy. Her, Liz Cheney, she, um, mm -mm. it's all about her and her views, right? I want to play for you. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin was campaigning with her. He was specifically asked by my colleague, uh, Garrett Haig, about your critique of Republicans that were campaigning with Kerry Lake. Here was his response. I believe that every state deserves a Republican governor and Arizona deserves another Republican governor. A lot of Republicans in the last three weeks that I would describe as uh, empathetic to what you've been doing have suddenly found themselves deciding, hey, party over country. 
What do you make of those decisions? You know, I think they they are really indefensible decisions. And, uh, you know, I've said I think that uh, Glenn Youngkin has uh, done a good job as governor of Virginia. Um, but nobody should be out uh, advocating for the election of people who uh, will not honor the sanctity of our elections process. And, you know, people who do that are, in fact, putting politics ahead of the Constitution and ahead of the country. Wow. Talk about being just consumed with your superiority, your moral righteousness. This is indefensible. Glenn Youngkin endorsing Carrie Lake. That's indefensible. Is it indefensible to have concerns as I do about the 2020 election? The sanctity? You cannot question the sanctity since when is anything sanctified? Anything on earth sanctified? No, we can have doubts about it, just like Bill Barr did at one point. Well, this is playing with fire. This is playing with fire. We're a very closely divided country here. And if people have to have confidence in the results of the election and the legitimacy of the government and people trying to change the rules to this to this methodology, which, as a matter of logic, is very open to fraud and coercion, is reckless and dangerous. And the people are playing with fire. We're not being anti-democratic. We love democracy. We're just being logical. They change the rules mid-contest, and they may have violated the law. In fact, at least in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, we know they did violate the law, and perhaps in other places as well. So, back to legitimacy. Um, Liz Cheney really is something else, huh? She's going to tell us what is legitimate, what is not legitimate. She had national hearings over January 6th. National hearings, and did not mention Ashley Babbitt once. How can you do that? How can you? And you know what? So many people have not seen the truth. They haven't seen the moment I showed on Friday night, the moment she is shot. And just before police officers walk away, they weren't being harmed. The environment was chaotic, but not totally out of control. No one's harming those police officers. And watch what happens. And there's so many people. They're going to push their way up here. Bro, I people out there get hurt. I don't want to hurt. I just make a, we will make a pop. We don't want That's what I'm saying. We'll make a pop, bro. Please, just let us make a pop. We Just let us make a pop. When the whole country hates you. I want you to go home. Go, go. Let's go. There they go, walking away. Why? We don't know. Then the crowd gets really out of hand trying to break down those doors. And you'll see Michael Bird's gun in a moment. He's about to kill a woman who is unarmed and posing no threat. It happens in about five seconds. You'll see the gun. There's a gun! There's a gun! There's a gun! He's got a gun! And he's about to take that shot. Now, how could we have had national hearings for about a year and a half about January 6th? And they never showed that. They never talked about her. They never questioned those cops, why they walked away. You know, it's like the Warren Commission investigating the assassination of John F. Kennedy without looking at the Zapruder film. I mean, can you imagine such a thing? This is one crazy, crazy situation we have on our hands in America in so many facets. Again, it's always darkest before the dawn, they say. And I think we're going to have a magnificent turnaround very, very soon. Have to take care of this, though, in New York State. This is the present governor 
Election Day is very soon. We think that Lee Zeldin could very well beat her. He'd be the first Republican to take away the governorship of New York from a Democrat since 1994. And why will she potentially lose? Because she's in completely out of touch. And she thinks she's Queen Elizabeth, walking around, waving to people, uh, totally ensconced in security. Look at all the layers of security. She doesn't care. Meanwhile, New Yorkers, what do we have to put up with? Well, this happened just this weekend. A guy was pushed off the tracks, into the, pushed into the train tracks. This, is, this kind of craziness is happening all the time. People are getting stabbed and shot all over the place. This is the new normal. And Kathy Hochul's response to all of it up until now has been, let's see it again. <laughs> yes. Enjoying the perks of being a governor. Now, from time to time, she will have a press conference. Oh, yes. When things get really tough. What do you do? You, you start pandering and you grab that podium and your fellow incompetent office holder, Eric Adams, and you go to the subway to have a press conference. Is this sol the solution that we've all been waiting for? I'm constantly asking my team, and they're the best. We speak regularly about what we can do. I'm always saying, what can we do to make our subways safer? And my answer back to everyone I say, do whatever it takes. And that's why we're here today, to be joined by my partners, these leaders. We have a crime-fighting strategy. We've leaned into proven law enforcement strategies, investing in new technologies that'll make a difference. And we're providing New Yorkers the support and the help they need. Here's what we're calling it. Cops, cameras, care. It's easier to remember the three C's. <laughs> Look at how pleased she is with herself, huh? The three C's. Wow. Yeah, that's going to break through, right? The three C's. I went through the three C's. It's absolutely nothing. They have the nerve of these people to come forward and talk about the cosmetic nonsense they're talking about doing. But they're, they're egomaniacs. Since my first days in office, I've said we need our subway system to truly work. It has to be on time. But most importantly, it has to be safe. Yes, yes, yes. And how has that worked out so far? Take a look. We have had the worst year for subway uh, violence in 25 years. Now let's bring in again fellow incompetent office holder, Mayor Eric Adams. We were going to zero in on gun violence. We were going to zero in on predatory crimes. We were going to make our subway system safe. Those were the key points that we raised. So do the analysis. Can we do the analysis, please? Let me see that graph one more time. It's not working. Now, they do have some crazy laws on the books, but they don't want to change them. All right. We also have crazy people on the streets like the Axeman. Everybody saw the Axeman going nuts. <laughs> he was let out of jail, remember, about three hours after being arrested for going on a rampage and threatening people inside of McDonald's with an axe. And the governor's there and the mayor's there. What about this bail reform situation where you let people out of jail? How about fixing that? Good afternoon. Um, Mayor Adams, can you tell us what was discussed at the crime summit and specifically if bail reform was a topic that came up? If not, why not, considering the feelings of crime in New York City? 
Uh, uh, first of all, we had a, a good, healthy cross-section interaction. Governor's office, uh, lawmakers, public advocates, district attorneys, uh, defense attorneys, uh, judges. Uh, I, I was just extremely impressed in the room. And here's what we came away with. Everyone wants to point one word to dealing with um, the uh, criminal justice issue we have. Bail reform, bail reform, bail reform. No, it's more than that. There are many rivers that feed the sea of violence, and we discussed every river in the room, a part of them today, and tomorrow we're going to discuss more. Everything was part of our conversation. The problem of crime is not one incident. We want to keep thinking it is, but it's not. And that's what we put on the table today. What is the role of the police, the judges, lawmakers, prosecutors, defense attorney? How do we come together and deal with the criminal justice problem? Everything was discussed for today's session, and we're going to follow up tomorrow's session. You ever do a book report when you haven't read the book? Right. And you stretch sentences out and you try to make it into the five pages that it has to be. That's what we're seeing right here. But don't worry. He is not taking any time off until this problem is solved. And I won't rest and the governor won't rest and our team won't rest until this system is a place, safe place for all who utilize the system. He will not rest until it's nighttime. And he rests and parties every single night. All right, here he is recently partying with a supermodel, uh, Cara Delevingne, having a great old time, right? Uh, this, is, this is not resting. This is, uh, the subway is, uh, New York City is spiraling out of control. And this guy is on the dance floor. And he's also firing very well-qualified people in the police department. Now, there's a guy uh, named Kenneth Corey, the four-star chief of the department, number one officer, 32-year um, veteran of the force. A guy knows the department inside and out, and guess what? He's been told to get lost. <laughs> He's got until the end of November. Got to find another job. A lot of us feel that it's because of the color of his skin. A lot of us actually feel like we know that to be fact, because the mayor is a racist. Every day in the police department, I kicked those crackers' ass, man. I was unbelievable. So he gets to fire a cracker. Wow. This is New York City in 2022. All right, stay with us. Nancy Pelosi says why she does what she does. The answer will surprise you. You won't believe her. All right, I'm telling you right now. She says she does it all for the children. Yes, she said that with a straight face. It's all for the kids. Be right back. So in 2019, fiscal year 2019, the, I guess, third basically full year of the Trump administration, only 52,000 uh, apprehensions of migrants at the border. 52,000. Does that seem like a lot? Well, stay with us here. Uh, in the following year, there were 58,000 uh, encounters, apprehensions. On Friday night, late, the Department of Homeland Security, they want to bury this story because, well, take a look at these numbers. You ready? 2.4 million in fiscal year 2022. 2.4 million up over tens of thousands. And also this, 98 people apprehended who are on the terror watch list. 98. 
98 terrorists or would-be terrorists came into the country. Under Trump, the busiest year, six. Six. They have no control of the border, nor do they want control of the border. And I do believe that just might be an impeachable offense. We'll see. Meanwhile, the Sunday shows and the entire mainstream media establishment doing everything they can to help Democrats. And they're getting nervous. Uh, they won't let any Republican of any consequence on their show. you got to be a Trump hater. These are the Republicans they did let on. Um, impeachment voting Congresswoman Mace from South Carolina. Uh, let's see. Of course, uh, Liz Cheney had uh, most of Meet the Press. And this guy, Chris Krebs, who worked at the DHS under Trump, but he was really out to sabotage Trump. One of those swamp guys who hated Trump and did everything he could to undermine him and went way outside of his lane, talking about all kinds of issues he had no business weighing in on. But he's been rewarded uh, with uh, speaking engagements. And there he is on the Face the Nation show with Kara Swisher. She's a tech journalist, all right? These two people... And the woman in the red, uh, whatever her name was, is um, they think they're in charge of who should be elected and who shouldn't be elected. It really is amazing. As far as voters, not really. We're not a critical voice in all of this. And she actually admits it. Listen to how she introduces her next segment. I want to yes. keep talking about this, but I have to take a break here and, and bring some important information um, to you from voters themselves, actually. Uh, we wanted to better understand how Americans could impact the vote in the year's elections. They're curious to find out how Americans could impact. They could impact. There's a chance that Americans, ordinary Americans, could, might, possibly impact the elections. And then they brought out some uh, Americans, kind of like their zoo specimens, and uh, had a couple of words with them. And, uh, hmm, but will they really have an impact? Seems like tech, mainstream media, Democrats are doing everything they can to minimize the impact of real people. All right, on to Nancy Pelosi and the uh, startlingly insincere thing she said on the same show. You told Andrea Mitchell earlier this week, we need generational change, but in some cases there's no substitute for experience. Right. Will you remain in leadership in the new Congress? I'm not talking about that. I'm here to talk about how we win the election. But to deliver uh, on all I these was only things. Paying, I was only paying Andrea a compliment for all the experience that she has. I see. The, but the fact is, we so, need to... So you may or you may not. I'm not here to talk about me. I'm here to talk about the future, America's working families, for the children. It's always about the children. <laughs> it's always about the children with Nancy Pelosi. Of course it is. Of course it is, right? She was thinking about the kids when she tore up President Trump's State of the Union address, right? It was always about the children, right? It was always about the children when she violated all the COVID restrictions and went to that beauty parlor in downtown San Francisco to get her hair done while ordinary chumps like us had to wear the masks and stay home, right? Always about the children. And what about this, when she wanted to physically assault President Trump? Secret Service said they have dissuaded him from coming to Capitol Hill. They told him they don't have the resources to protect him here. So at the moment, he is not coming, but that could change. Oh, he comes. I'm going to punch him out. This is my mom. I would pay the fee. I'm waiting for this. 
for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, and I'm going to be happy. Right. Nancy Pelosi. Anything for the kids. Coming up, the hottest book in Washington, D.C. is the worst book in Washington, D.C. and beyond. Uh, there's Donald Trump with the reporter who betrayed him many, many times. Maggie Haberman, uh, more mistakes and lies, I believe, in her book. I'll be right back. All I can, I can say... Is, is that, that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? And the fake news, right now they are swooning over this terrible swamp book uh, by one of their favorites, Maggie Haberman. It's nauseating. Take a look. Maggie Haberman is with us uh, talking about her new book, uh, Confidence Man. Maggie Haberman's new book is coming out, Confidence Man, about, about Trump. And she's, you know, including some never before heard conversations she had with him. And then there's Maggie Haberman reporting in her new book, Confidence Man, The Making of Donald Trump and the Breaking of America, a title that really says it all. It's a book that covers everything. And uh, honestly, I, I, I hope a lot of people read it before the next election comes, because I think it gives a lot of uh, much needed insight. The bombshell aye, book, aye, aye. Confidence Man. It's Thanks. And they're getting, you know, everything. Colbert, give me a break. Yes, it's another uh, attempted takedown of Trump. And there are all kinds of mistakes. It's bad. I feel like I'm reading a magazine article from 20 years ago. Confidence man, huh? Basically, a fancy name for con man, right? <laughs> Longer name for con man. So, uh, Take a look at this. This is the latest thing that's bothering me in this book. Uh, am I nitpicking? Maybe. But the details are important. If you get the small things wrong, I think you get the big stuff wrong. So uh, take a look. The quote reads as follows. It's about Donald Trump uh, when he was a student at Fordham University here in New York City. Before he went to Penn, he went to Fordham. Uh, one fellow student recalled Trump somehow managed to avoid paying the Triborough Bridge's 25-cent toll and leaving it to a friend with considerably less economic means to pay each time. He wasn't paying the toll. He had his friend do it. But the important thing here, if you don't mind, is Triborough Bridge. Remember that. Okay, so a couple of things. Donald Trump was living in Jamaica, Queens, and attending Fordham University, all right? The address of his house, 8514 Midland Parkway, Fordham University in the Bronx, okay? Those are two fixed locations. Now, number one, there is no way Donald Trump took the Triborough Bridge to get to Fordham. Take a look at this. Uh, the Triborough Bridge is a <laughs> way out of the way and longer than two bridges that are much closer all right. I'm serious. This is a thing. And it's actually important. So Donald Trump had options to get to Fordham, along with his buddy who was in the same neighborhood they were driving together. He could take the Whitestone Bridge uh, much closer geographically to his house. Now, it's the same distance, but New Yorkers, they would not take the Triborough when the Whitestone is right there and you're going way up to the northern Bronx. You wouldn't do it. There's another option for him, the Throgs Neck Bridge, okay, which is even shorter, 16 miles, okay? Now, 
how do I know this? And how did it just jump out at me? Well, I made a very similar commute. I commuted to Fordham University from Long Island, Garden City. It was 22 miles. The idea of taking the Triborough Bridge was nonsense. And also, oh, by the way, I talked to one of Donald Trump's Fordham classmates and confirmed with him that it was the Whitestone Bridge that he took. Now, is this important? Yes, it is. I love biographies. I do. I love buying a book and just the rich detail. But I was spoiled by the great writers like Robert Caro. Robert Caro wrote a lot of books, including the Lyndon Johnson books. You know, you know what he would do? He actually went to Washington, D.C. and found the apartment where LBJ was living as a congressional aide and walked the same track. And apparently LBJ started running and everybody thought he was running because he was so anxious to get to work. But Caro discovered that he was running so he could see the sunrise. It was a spectacular sunrise, and LBJ wanted to see it every day. Those little details, I think, are important. Now, there's something else in this book, and I'm sorry. It's a passion project of mine, whatever. Uh, There's something called the favor bank, all right? Now, Maggie writes about this. She says, he was an expert, Trump, practitioner at accessing what journalist Marie Brenner called the favor bank of New York City. Marie Brenner? Marie Brenner is a fine reporter, but she did not coin the term favor bank. That's Tom Wolfe. And everybody pretty much knows this. Anybody who's read Tom Wolfe or Marie Brenner. Now, Tom Wolfe wrote my favorite book, Bonfire of the Vanities. Came out in 1987. I finished it in like a day and a half. It was a huge book, but it was such a joy to read. And favor bank is something that he came up with. Take a look at the quote in the book. Uh, Well, everything in this building, everything in the criminal justice system in New York operates on favors. Everybody does favors for everybody else. Every chance they get, they make deposits in the favor bank. And it comes up again uh, in the book. And it's not just me saying this. People have said that the favor bank is Tom Wolfe's invention, if you will. In business world, uh, (laughs) they credit him in his 1987 novel, Bonfire of the Vanities, dealing with bond trading in the law. Tom Wolfe coined the term favor bank. Uh, It goes on and on. I can find a dozen headlines like this. Uh, Same goes for the, uh, oh, the Annenberg Center. Yes, he introduced the concept of favor bank. And another reason why this is important to me, Tom Wolfe was a friend of mine and a great man. One of the reasons why I became a pilot, actually, reading the right stuff. So uh, I just don't like these kinds of mistakes. A book is special, and you're supposed to get things right. Right? It's day 222 of being a girl. I'm in Washington, D.C., and I'm going to the White House to speak to the President of the United States! And uh, our new friend here wasn't kidding. actually got to sit down with the president of the United States. Why? Because uh, 222 days ago, she underwent some sort of, or he, or whatever, a, a sex change operation. And uh, instant status, instant fame, in this case, uh, we're not impressed. We're not impressed at all. Uh, and my next guest wrote an amazing piece. It's called My Womanhood Is Not Your Costume by Amber Athey. If I may, just a portion 
Womanhood is now routinely publicly mocked and degraded by a group of men playing dress up. Adult men who want to wear skirts and heels are allowed to do so. It's a free country in that regard. However, I am under no obligation to pretend they are not creepy. I am under no obligation to allow them to share private spaces with me. And I am certainly under no obligation to accept it as fact when they say they are women and that they always have been. They are not. Amazing work once again. Amber Athey, editor at the at the Spectator, Washington editor. Amber, great piece. Welcome back. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Wow, what a piece of work this person is, um, and it really kind of uh, got you at a gut level. It did. I mean, I find it very ironic that we're headed into Halloween and the same left wingers who would complain when someone wears a feather headdress or a sombrero see no issue with a grown man calling himself a little girl and pretending that he is a member of the opposite sex because he puts on a Barbie pink dress and wears a bow in his hair. Women are not the sum of our clothing or our behaviors. We are biologically made this way. We were born this way. And no matter how many hormones someone takes, no matter how many sex change operations they undergo, they simply cannot and never will be a member of the opposite sex. So this entire trans delusion is just based on a lie. And the more we see these individuals mock us and degrade us publicly and reduce us to the most base level stereotypes, the more offensive and infuriating it gets. And um, I guess it's big business. Uh, Take a look at this. Do me a favor. Put up full screen Mulvaney TikTok followers. 8.3 million. Uh, That's substantial. And it seems like all anybody wants to do these days is uh, achieve Internet fame. And it's kind of worked out for this individual Uh, there. Just became a woman less than a year ago and is interrogating the president of the United States, who, by the way, seemed rather charmed by her. Didn't uh, didn't he? Yeah, he gave a very interesting response when asked about whether or not children should be able to undergo these medical transitions. Biden said that it would be wrong for them not to be allowed to do that. And you're exactly right. There is a huge incentive structure in place for the trans industry, whether it's individuals who get applauded when they, quote unquote, come out and go through these transitions or the doctors who are performing the surgeries or offering the hormone therapy. It can cost up to two hundred thousand dollars for an individual to undergo a full transition, meaning the hormone therapy followed by the top and bottom surgeries. And these are not a one-time visit. You're going back to the doctor constantly to make sure that your body is actually not healing itself, that the wounds that they create remain open. And every time you go, that's another paycheck from the insurance company or out of your pocket to these doctors. And by the way, the surgery doesn't... (laughs) doesn't really work. I mean, uh, this individual, and I'm not a fan, obviously, uh, Dylan Mulvaney, uh, said in that video made on her way to the White House that she was in a very dark place for the past couple of weeks. Very dark. But this really picked her up that she was about to meet the president. I mean, you're not going to be able to meet the president every day. I don't think she actually got what she really needs, whatever that is, from this surgery. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that? 
It's a great point. Look, the NHS in England just released new guidance on transitions for uh, children specifically who are dealing with gender dysphoria. And they make quite clear that this idea that undergoing hormone therapy or going through a sex change is going to fix these underlying mental illnesses that lead to gender dysphoria is based on a lie. And we need to start giving these people the proper counseling and psychotherapy so that they can feel comfortable in the body that God gave them instead of selling them a bill of goods, the idea that they can somehow become a member of the opposite sex because that is simply impossible. Amber Athey, we thank you once again for what you bring to the table. Absolute brilliance. Um, at Amber underscore Athey. And please check out The Spectator, where she is the Washington editor. Amber, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, we'll be right back. Mike Pence, can you believe it? They say he's probably going to run for president. How disloyal, huh? But his comments are usually designed to curry favor, not with conservatives, but with mainstream media. That's uh, who he seems to be working for these days. The American people must know that conservatives will not simply pay lip service to keeping faith with the Constitution, but that we will always keep our oath. We will stand for the Constitution. We will uphold its principles, even when it would be politically expedient to do otherwise. Because if conservatives don't defend the Constitution, we won't just lose elections. We'll lose our country. That's Vice President Pence at the Heritage Foundation this week, putting some distance between himself and the Trump-endorsed candidates who falsely claim that the 2020 presidential election was not legitimate. All right, a couple of things here. First, with Pence. You know what? We support the Constitution, but guess what? People often disagree about what the Constitution actually says and what the Founding Fathers intended. That's why we have a Supreme Court. We have five to four decisions all the time. Two people can support the Constitution, as I do, and come up with a very in different interpretation than you did and what you did on January 6th, quite frankly. All right? It's America. We support the Constitution. Don't pretend that you're the only guy who does. I don't like it. It's condescending and it's designed to appeal to mainstream media wimps like the guy uh, we saw a moment ago. All right? Yeah, him. The other thing. Donald Trump had a rally on Saturday night in Texas, and it was excellent. Um, you really should watch these things. You learn more from uh, a Trump rally than you will in a year of fake news. And he said something that I think needs to be said about all the investigations Washington is having. All they do is investigate. We're like a, a nation that's all we do is investigate. And frankly, if that ever started, boy, would they be in trouble because have they what they've done, what they've done in so many ways, including what they've done to our country to destroy our country. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's true. They're they're addicted to investigations, not not contributing, not to making things better. We'll investigate. That's a cheap way to get on television, to get attention and to get dollars. Yeah, we'll be right back. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news. 
for real people. Well, thank you very much. We will see you tomorrow. Thanks for supporting Newsmax. And uh, do me a favor, if you can, get the word out about the show. All right? We'll see you later.